the Tag Creative Group Studios, Toyota presents the Pro Hockey West Report. The Pro Hockey West Report is brought to you by the Tag Creative Group, your one-stop shop for unique designs or that one-of-a-kind gift idea for yourself or someone special. Search T. Grand Rudd on redbubble.com. Jesse Ray's Barbecue, Las Vegas' best barbecue at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard in Las Vegas, or 308 North Boulder Highway in Henderson. Behind the Mask, the Valley's experts for all things hockey. Find any of our three Valley locations and more at BehindTheMask.com. The Caesars Sportsbook app, an official partner of the NHL. The Spaghetti Shack, classic Italian food quickly in Tempe, Pine Top, and Queen Creek. Order online at TheSpaghettiShack.com. Top Golf. Go to TopGolf.com to play the world's greatest golf courses and more, all in one place. Jets Pizza, with over 400 locations in 20 states, better pizza because it has to be. Find a location near you at JetsPizza.com. By Toyota, support the dealers that support hockey in your community. Finlay and Henderson, Toyota of the Desert in Cathedral City, California, Peterson in Fort Collins, Colorado, and Desert Toyota in Tucson. Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos. Book your stay now at any of our locations around the world at Caesars.com. The Pro Hockey West Report presented by Toyota is a part of the IcetimeHockeyWest.com network. From the TAG Creative Group Studios, here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Stephen Marsh. All right, well, welcome in, hockey fans, to a Thursday night, a late-night edition, if you will, of the beautiful, the Pro Hockey West Report. Scott Strandy with you tonight from a very hot Palm Springs, California. I think we topped out like 113 today. My co-host, as always, joining me from that beautiful, vibrant, and championship city of Las Vegas, Nevada, Stephen Marsh, I believe, is coming on board at some point in time. <laughs> I just talked to him, so I know he's around here somewhere, uh, but I don't see him on the board. Ah, now I see him on the board. Stephen, how are you in that championship city? You hanging in there? We're hanging in there. Got, got the heat wave coming. The summer's finally going to hit us with the summer 110-degree-plus weather in a couple of days. And uh, off we go. One thirteen here today, my friend. One thirteen here today. I get a couple of more weeks before my hibernation begins. <laughs> hibernation. Where do you think you're working at? You don't hibernate now. <laughs> this is de- next week is development camp week, my couple, friend. That's why I said in a couple of weeks. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. Because the, the hockey season is just going to come to a close, and people are going to hibernate and do nothing. Yeah, right. Yeah, free agency happens. And then yeah, that starts camp, Saturday. And then it's like dead crickets until September. Yeah, that's what it is. Dead crickets. Nobody's talking about anything. And Nobody's making change. Go around. I'm seeing all over the place here in in Vegas these days. <laughs> uh, anyway, this is draft week. It concluded today. Started yesterday. Concluded today. Uh, a bunch of craziness. I thought in the draft, um, starting near the top. But uh, we're going to get into that in just a little bit. Before we do that. I want to talk a little bit about some of the coaching changes that are going on. Some still vacant, some new coaches uh, just hired. One that you're going to have a press conference with tomorrow um, in Henderson's. We'll get to that. 
a couple that uh, have made jumps from uh, the AHL to the NHL. So it's not only players that make that jump, but also uh, coaches as well. So we'll talk about that. Uh, and then we'll wrap things up by talking about schedules. That Boy, the NHL, man, they're starting to take it like the NFL now. They they just grab time and they, and they make you uh, peel your eyes and, and open your ears to everything that's going on 24-7 around the clock. Am I close? You're pretty close. It's It seems that way because we were so caught up in the playoffs for the AHL and the NHL because we still had teams that we were very close to in it all the way to the end. And, and so because of that, there's not, you know, there's not a lot of stuff going, you know, there's not a lot of time before these things start to come out, but yeah, the, the schedules are already out and we're still waiting for the AHL schedules to come out. I'm sure those will be out in the next couple of weeks or so. Hopefully it'll come out before my hibernation begins. So (laughs) (laughs) your hibernation, stop it. You're not hibernating anywhere. (laughs) Anyway. um, (laughs) Anyway, uh, let's talk AHL Pacific division coaching changes. um, Because the one that you're going to attend tomorrow, the press conference, um, one Ryan Craig going from the NHL team in Vegas to the AHL team in Henderson it's odd, Stephen. It doesn't happen a lot, but it, I understand where they're coming from to keeping it kind of, as you put it, all in the family. But um, a little different that you take a step from the NHL to the AHL, even though it is assistant coach to head coach, right? Yeah, you know, I think I'm really uh, I I think it's a really good move. I think it's it's a good move for Ryan Craig. I think it's a great move for the organization. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he's been an assistant coach for, well, six seasons. Uh, it was his first coaching experience of, in any regard. He had just come out of playing in the uh, AHL, finishing up his career, um, and then gets an opportunity to join Vegas's staff from the get-go. Obviously has ties to Brandon uh, in in Imagine that, right? Brandon Wheat Kings and uh, Kelly McCrimmon, of course, and all that. No, so there's that, you know. So they kind of get together and they put, put Ryan Craig on the staff at the beginning of the Golden Knights organization with, with, uh, with Gerard Gallant and and you know Ryan Ryan McGill and those guys. You know, they were on the first staff, and, and he survived all of them, correct? Yes, yes, exactly. That's the point I'm getting to. He survived three regime changes, so to speak, in regards to coaches, and. You know, he caps it off with a Stanley Cup in the summer. So just just a few weeks ago now, two weeks ago now, and and it's uh, I think it's a great thing. I think it's uh, so it's it's a good opportunity for him now to kind of get a taste of being a head coach. He knows this organization very well. He knows a lot of these young guys. I'm sure from working with them at camps over the years and and uh, working with them as they come up into the into the NHL when they when they've gotten a chance and and he knows. And he himself has AHL experience being a captain uh, for teams down there and, and winning a Calder Cup down in the American Hockey League level. So uh, I think if, if there's a guy that you want to uh, represent the Henderson Silver Knights and, and represent your organization, why not a guy like Ryan Craig who knows this organization probably better than anybody they could have brought in from the outside, I would think. So, um, you know, some people might say, well, it seems like a demotion. You go from being an assistant NHL guy to be an AHL coach, but I don't, I don't think you see it that way. I don't think that Ryan Craig sees it that way. And, and for him to get his first head coaching experience, 
to be able to do it in, in the same city that you've been at the NHL level is just a, I mean, Henderson, I mean, another city, but he'll probably still have the same house in Summerlin or wherever he lives and sure. And just commute to Henderson. But, uh, you know, I think it's, it's just, a. I think it's a great thing. And, and like I said, the communication, you know, that you have between the NHL and the AHL level, uh, happens a lot these days. And, and obviously, uh, Bruce Cassidy, of course, knows Craig from this year. And so I just think it, it just all, it'll take very little time to, uh, acclimate, uh, to it. And it's a great opportunity, as I said, for Ryan Craig, who maybe has aspirations to be a head coach at the NHL level someday. Um, I'm sure that may be asked tomorrow at the press conference. And, this is a great opportunity. As I said, he, he's plenty of experience with at the NHL level, has now won a Stanley Cup, and now he gets to take the opportunity now to transition to be a head coach for the AHL team in, in the same organization and in the same city too, which, again, is is uh, not too common uh, uh, these days. So it's uh, that's all that uh, makes this a great move. And when, I, when, when the position was opened up, when we, when we knew that the position was uh, opening up, that they weren't going to bring back Manny Viveros, and, you know, there was, the playoffs were going, and, Golden Knights were making their their run through the playoffs. You know, I was thinking, I was asking people. I said, I wonder, I wonder how the Henderson search is going. And then somebody asked Kelly McCrimmon in one of the press conferences throughout the the spring uh, during the playoff run about you know update on the coaching. And they said, well, they kind of put that on pause and they kind of focus on the playoff run. And I thought, you know, and then as this, as it was going, and I and I thought, and then when the, the Golden Knights got the stand, I'm thinking, you know what? And I had this thought. I told I told another media member that I said. And we were talking about this. We, we were kind of thinking about it. I think this would be great for uh, for Ryan Craig to get this opportunity. And it sounds like it sounds like they didn't really pursue this opportunity or didn't really pursue this avenue until the playoff run was over. Because obviously Ryan Craig and the coaches, the other coaches, were were caught up in a playoff run. But um, you know, we'll, we'll hear more tomorrow from him. But um, yeah, I think it's a I think it's a great move. Okay, so earlier in the uh, offseason, if you will, for the San Diego Gulls, they hired Mac McElveen. I'm struggling with that one. I'm going to have to practice for an hour before I meet him I in person. But Ryan Craig. It, it, yeah, it, I it's think it's McElveen. Different from it, Manny Viveros, which took a little bit to get used to, got used to that, and now yeah. I get Ryan Craig, which is, which is easy. So yeah, but McElveen is, uh, is a new head coach with the San Diego Gulls. I'm hoping to catch up with him next week when I am in uh, – in the uh, beautiful city of Anaheim and Irvine as they're going through their uh, um, development camp. So hopefully we catch up with Matt and get a chance to talk to him about his plans. Um, as we know, uh, Roy Summer decided to uh, retire, uh, well-deserved retirement, by the way. And uh, this, time for, this time for good. That's what I hear. That's what I hear. But does he ever say never? That's true. Never say never, right? I mean, look, yeah. at, look at Tom Brady. He retired, and then he unretired. And then he's retired, and he seems like he's this time he's retiring for good. So yeah, you never say playing, never. But he's still playing football. He's gonna be doing other stuff. But, but anyway, <laughs> so so Matt took over uh, as the head coach of the Gulls. Uh, again, another great hire. A uh, energetic guy with a lot of uh, a lot of positive vibes. He's been already out in San Diego for the past two and a half, three months now, um, soliciting, if you will, fans and letting them know what he in, intends to have. And, and when we get to the draft part of it, we'll find out what he gets what he gets to have um, w- with those future players coming up. Uh, and then we look at two teams that uh, were very high in the Pacific Division um, playoffs this year, and that would be the Calgary Wranglers and the Colorado Eagles. Both currently 
are vacant head coaching positions. Mitch Love is, uh, as you know, uh, stepped up as an assistant coach with the NHL uh, Washington Capitals. And Greg Cronin with the Colorado Eagles is now the head coach of the Anaheim Ducks. Any of those surprise you, Stephen? No, I I guess maybe the, the Mitch Love one would be, would be more surprising than the other, but I think both are are very uh, well-deserving. Again, it kind of goes back to, you know, this is an example of Mitch Love being a head coach at the AHL level. Now he's going to get an opportunity as an assistant at the NHL level, as opposed to we were just talking about Ryan Craig being an assistant at the NHL level, now going down to being a head coach at the uh, at the AHL level. So it's uh, kind of the reverse there. But I think this is a uh, – I think obviously ultimately you want to be in the NHL. And I think Mitch Love has more than proved himself that he's a good coach at the American Hockey League level. I mean, two years with uh, – or even longer than that, I guess. Or with, well, I don't know how many with, since with Stock when it was Stockton, and then we came Calgary, had two r- really good seasons, and and probably I'd have to probably even go back further than that. I don't can't remember how long he's been the coach there, but he's been the coach there for a little bit, and he's been pretty good there. And then and then Greg Conan, who was one of the maybe the longer tenured coaches for the uh, Pacific Division in this division, uh, had been with the Eagles for some years, and. Now he's going to get an opportunity to head coach the Ducks, and I think it's great for the Ducks and for him because, and it's the right opportunity for him. We we kind of learned when Greg Cronin had his press conference uh, last, whenever that, whenever he was introduced with, with the Ducks, that uh, he was uh, one of the guys, uh, I guess, that could have gotten the Boston job, but uh, it turned out they went with different route with that worked out for for Boston in that regard, and and I think it was great that it didn't work out for Greg Cronin because now he has this opportunity with the Ducks, and I think he's great with working with, with younger players and getting them kind of, you know, improving and, and getting to how they, you know, getting the best out of them. Obviously, he did a lot of that well at the AHL level, and, and the Ducks are still a pretty young team, and they're trying to, to build themselves and, and their young talent, and and I think it'll be, be great to have that. Uh, plus, they've got some great, good, talented players on the team already, the Ducks do, so... I think it's a great opportunity for for Greg Cronin to kind of uh, get his opportunity to to coach at the uh, at the NHL as a head coach. I think he's been a head coach, or he's been a coach before. I think it, an assistant coach, uh, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, now he'll be a head coach, so that's uh, that's a great uh, thing too. And he stays in the Pacific Division, which I know you appreciate, and I know he's kind of <laughs> yeah. he's following your lead, Scott, is what he's doing because yeah. yeah, there he was hanging out in colorado you were there and then yep now you've moved here to southern you've moved to southern california and now he's moved along to southern california I don't think i'm not going to remind him of that too the first time i uh, catch you up may, with you him, may as be a, seeing him pretty soon here at development yeah, i should see him next week i hope <laughs> um so anyway um yeah that's exciting uh for the ducks organization and one thing i will say about uh greg well two things about greg cronin just don't he scare him very... away again maybe he thought he was finally going to get away from you going to california and now now he'll be shocked to know that you're sticking around and you're going to be right there right there again at, at following him at the nhl level yeah well i'll tell you right now that uh two things with greg cronin number one he would be considered a very strong players coach the players love playing for him um, you saw it with Colorado last year and the year before. Uh, the, he gets the most out of his players. There's no doubt about it. He will do a fantastic job. There's no doubt in my mind with the Ducks. Um, the other thing with Greg Cronin is uh, he's very straightforward. So you always know where you stand, whether it be as a media guy or as a player or whatever. He, he doesn't really uh, pull punches. He just uh, 
he he tells it the way it is and and you take it or leave it is kind of his uh, attitude it, it's funny because uh, ironically funny that he's an East Coast guy, as you can tell when you speak with him. <laughs> that accent's not going anywhere. But he called Colorado really his second home. He really enjoyed Loveland, and I think there were very few opportunities that would have stolen him away, if you will, from uh, Loveland, Colorado, because I know he loved it there. Um, and one of them is being an, uh, an NHL head coach. And, boy, when you look at the talent on this uh, Ducks roster, young talent, um, he's got a lot to work with. Yeah, I agree. And yes, uh, Greg Cronin was an assistant for uh, Paul Hornstein's uh, New York Islanders uh, for several years. Also, I had to bring that up, didn't you? Now you pumped up his head again, and we got to try to pop it. But he's also was the head coach for Northeastern University and the NCAA for several yes. years. Yes. And then uh, also being involved with the Islanders again. Uh, back in the 90s so he's had a couple stint with the islanders and and a couple of stints with uh, but this will be his first uh head coaching gig in the nhl level so i think he's finally getting his op his opportunity and i think it's uh it's well deserved for for him to uh get this i mean he's like i said a lot of years at the ncaa i mean assistant coach at colorado college assistant coach at university of maine the head coach at university of maine for a year in the late uh 96 and then as i said several stints with the Islanders mixed in there with some Northeastern time as head coach. So he's got a lot of experience. So I think this is a, this is a good op. I think if there's a, a guy that can lead an NHL club, like the, like the ducks, who are still kind of looking to form what they, what they want to be identity wise, a lot of young players, you bring a coach in like this and you can kind of help grow the team together like that from a coaching perspective and from the player side of things too. Yeah, I'm totally agree with you on that. So uh, Colorado is still open. As far as a uh, head coach, and uh, so is Calgary. Yeah, there's a health um, wanted sign still up in the uh, Budweiser Event Center. <laughs> <laughs> so get your applications in now. With, with a couple, both places, Calgary and uh, the Budweiser Event Center, uh, probably ringing cowbells to uh, see if they can bring in a head coach. I would assume, Stephen, that that's going to happen very quickly because development camp coming up next week. Um, do they have to be there? No, maybe not. But would they like to be there, I'm sure, and, and see what kind of talent they have? Uh, I'm sure that is uh, a very important well, and, part of the process. And Calgary's just had some changes at the top level with uh, the general manager and the, their NHL coach and stuff. So uh, I'm sure that's the next order of business eventually is they just finished the draft and had to get all that done. So maybe now that's – and maybe they're still – they've been working on it, I'm sure, behind the scenes, but now they can – they can focus on trying to get a guy solidified for the uh, for the Wranglers. Uh, you know, develop, does it have to be done for development camp? No, it does. I'm sure they they. I think the assistants are still there, so they they can help with that. And the and the and the, the NHL guys are there. So, um, but yeah, I mean, you would think soon soon it'll have to be done. Certainly before the season begins in three months, you'll you'll have something. But I would think in the next few weeks you'll have that. Um, and yeah, and the same with uh, same with with Colorado too, and the Eagles and. And what the uh, what the Avs will will do in making that hire with the with the leadership there. Okay, so um, we'll get on to the uh, the draft here, and we'll take a break in a minute, and then get on to the draft. But well, we should uh, mention after... the returning coaches. So we've got yes, uh, yeah, that's where I was headed. Okay, sorry, I <laughs> go ahead. That you were getting off the no, subject or not? But uh, no, go ahead. Bakersfield, of course, Colin Shock uh, is returning, as far as we know. Ontario, uh, Marco Strom is uh, is is. We'll be back. Uh, Steve Potman and Tucson. Mar Mar Marco Sturm. Sturm, sorry. <laughs> Sturm, yes. Uh, Sturm. 
and uh, Tucson, Steve Potvin, Abbotsford, uh, Jeremy Colleton, and uh, Coachella Valley, uh, Dan Bosma, uh, obviously are all going to be returning. I think I'm missing one. I think I only count uh, nine, nine on here. Am I missing one team? You missed Baker. You got Bakersfield. Yeah, Baker. You got San Diego, Ontario, yeah, Henderson. Ontario. Henderson. Tucson. Tucson's on there. Colorado. Abbotsford, Calgary. It's got to be 10. <laughs> I only count uh, count nine on my sheet here, so now i gotta, I got to look at something else. It's going to bother me here. Hold on. Okay. You count. You count. If you need to, look at our little uh, logo wheel. That'll that's, tell you. That'll tell you your teams. Do, right? That's what I'm going to do right now. <laughs> uh, that's what I'm going to do right now. Oh, we love live oh, podcasts. Oh, how could you forget the Barracuda? Oh, my God. That's, Goodness. that's only where the AHL All-Star game is going to be this year. Exactly, exactly. Okay, so, and, and I want to ask you this. Um, had, word has leaked out a little bit that the uh, the rookie tournament this year will be held in uh, Vegas. It, has that been announced officially yet, or are we still in the rumor stage? No, nothing uh, officially announced on that. Yeah, I believe it was an LA Kings uh, site that uh, you know that follows the Kings that put this out several months ago. And I think Sinbin got a hold or got uh, retweeted it or put it, put it out on on their uh, Twitter. Uh, but uh, I think I think that's the because I think the plan. I think if the rotation was was to be correct, it was going to be in LA this year. But I don't believe they're in a position where they're going to be able to host it or or so. I think it's going to go back to to Vegas. Uh, which is interesting because I, I, I mean Colorado hasn't hosted. You would wonder why they, but but I think uh, Vegas is certainly a place uh, where it's been before. It was the first one was held in in Vegas when with all these teams involved, and and I think now it's going to go back to to Vegas. well, my but, my but thought not, on nothing, that, but nothing official yet on it though. But I believe that is the that is what's been put out there by uh, by a source uh, out there. In, uh, okay, well, I I think I can answer your question on why these other places maybe haven't had them. Um, it's got a lot to do with the ice time and uh, when when uh, buildings put their ice in and what their schedule looks like. So, like, for example, up in Colorado, I'm not sure when the ice goes in there, um, but when it goes in, they, they also have concerts and fairs and all different kinds of things going on in that building, same way down in Tucson. And, you know, so while, while there's hotel well, space and stuff. Ari- remember when it was in Arizona, we were, we were in two different locations yeah shush Glendale. you had to go there didn't you i was trying my blood pressure was down i was gonna keep it down i, I was gonna but be nice to cool now, because uh, now you blew it up you blew it up my blood pressure's through the roof now i, I gotta go and address I, this i'll never forget that having to go down to to glendale one night to, to watch the golden knights and the coyotes play then the other two nights i was back in ice and scottsdale watching the, the action but you but some play some people went you couldn't be at two places at once. I mean, there was a little bit of overlap with the late game each night, and there was some, you know, trying to if you were going to try to get down to to two, uh, Glendale from Scottsdale to get down to the get down there to watch the third game. But anyways, all right, I haven't had a, I haven't Jose. had a stroke last yet. Year we were in San Jose. That was a little bit better. It was two different sheets, but we had the main the main arena, which you still had a gripe about. You're like, why can't we just do it all in Texas Arena instead of having to go to this orange rink and <laughs> and cramp in there for one of those? Exactly. Okay, stop. <laughs> stop. Now it's my turn to rant on this. Texas Arena, uh, Glendale, and the Coyotes. Um, listen, here's the deal. If you're going to f- do one of these uh, events, then make it an event. Um, 
you know, I have no idea because I'm not in the back channels of the Arizona Coyotes. All I know is that they play the Coyotes games in that building. And if you're going to play one, play two more and let everybody play right there. They have a beautiful hotel across the parking lot, essentially, where they could have housed everybody. The media would have been there. There was plenty of room for fans. You would have given the the uh, the rookies an opportunity to uh, to play in a big time environment with eleven thousand seats, whether it was full or not. It's an NHL arena, and you chose not to do it. Now I don't care what the reason is. Figure it out because if you can play one game there, there's no reason why you can't play two. They didn't go have a concert uh, during that. They, they you know because they were still having that one game. But it was inconsiderate for the media. It was inconsiderate for the fans. It was inconsiderate for the players. I mean, come on. Get it together is all and, I say. And, Just and get it the together. Most, and probably the most important, it was inconvenient for the player personnel and the scouts. That Yeah, they had to do the same thing. They, so they you basically introduced them. Kind of thing. You introduced them to what the, the everyday fan in Arizona was going through at that time. Living well, in the easy, East Valley for the most all- of them. Now they could just go right there to Tempe and Mullet and the other ice sheets all right there. So when stop they, it. it's their stop it. again. Stop it. <laughs> if they're still stop in it. Arizona by then. <laughs> yeah, stop it. Okay. Um, and the same thing with, with uh, what was going on in, in San Jose. It was a great environment, this brand-new TechCU um, arena. And why you don't play all the games there, I'll never know. Because you could have played them back-to-back-to-back. And it, three, I know. Three games in you know every day for four days or three days, whatever it is. Well, the ACHA uh, does it. I know, I know, and there's <laughs> maybe that's could've... not as in, maybe that's not as intense of games as as uh, rookie games for the for the a- NHL slash AHL level competition, but still, I mean, you, they, they, I mean the ACHA that's impressive to me because they play four games a day with you know there's an hour or so in between each game. It's there's overtime. I mean, it, and they're getting that ice done and everything and. And it seems to do pretty well for at least for four straight days to like that. And then of course it's two games in one game, but, uh, but they don't, they don't, the, the division one, they all play on one, one rink the whole time. Well, and here's the thing about Vegas. If they, you know, it's not an NHL um, home arena. I mean, it's a practice facility, but you just go from one side of the uh, building to the other. There's one ice sheet, then another ice sheet. And, you know, and, and it's easy for the fans. It's easy for the player personnel. It's easy for the media. All of those people that you want to um, incorporate, it's there. And they find a way to schedule the ice time and get it done. And, and there's locker room facilities and, and, and all of that. Oh, so, there's no I mean, doubt about that. City geez. National Arena... The, the Golden Knights are the priority there. So whatever they need to book something, everything takes a backseat to, to what they schedule there. Exactly, because they do it right. Anyway, um, uh, that's my rant for tonight. But they had to go there. Had to go there. Blood pressure was soaring. Now I had to lower it down again. Get comfortable. Just drink a little bit more of that Diet Mountain Dew and you'll be fine. <laughs> oh, I've got it. I've got it. I've got it keyed up. Don't doubt that. All right, let's take a break. Let's come back and let's talk about what's going on in Nashville or what went on in Nashville, Tennessee over the last couple of days. We'll be right back. When you talk about the best of Las Vegas, you're talking about the best of the best. So when you're Jesse Ray's barbecue and you're a three-time winner of the Best of Las Vegas Award, that speaks for itself. Whether it's the original location at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard in Las Vegas 
or the new location at 308 North Boulder Highway in Henderson, come and savor our People's Choice award-winning barbecue ribs. Or maybe just come in and pick up a bottle of our best in Las Vegas barbecue sauce to take home. Open seven days a week. You can order online at jessieraysbarbecue.com. And for an occasion that will be remembered for a long time, call us for all of your catering projects at Jesse Ray's Barbecue today. Really, JR, you think you can still do this? I'm focused. You're way too old to hit that target from there. I've been listening to everything you said. It's been running through my head, locked and loaded. Still got it. Still got it. Who's old now? After a hard day at work or a long week, what's better than good comfort food to put you at ease? At the Spaghetti Shack, we say the answer is comfort food that's made by somebody else. The Spaghetti Shack has taken spaghetti and meatballs, the classic Italian comfort food, to a portable level. ASU alumni owned and operated the Spaghetti Shack is located at 6340 South Rural Road in Tempe and 592 West White Mountain Boulevard in Pine Top, as well as its Ghost Kitchen in Queen Creek. For lunch, dinner, or catering as well, call us at 480-687-2485 or order online at thespaghettishack.com. From ITHSW Podcast, this is the Pro Hockey West Report. Indeed, it is the Pro Hockey West Report. Scott Strandy with you tonight from Palm Springs, California. My co-host is always Stephen Marsh from that beautiful championship city of Las Vegas, Nevada. Stephen, neither one of us were in Nashville. We talked about it. I talked about it. Um, we had the opportunity, but we made the decision not to go um, just based on the fact that there's uh, development camps happening uh, immediately afterwards starting uh, probably Sunday, I think, or Saturday or Sunday. You think they're going to um, do them over Fourth of July? Uh, yeah, they are. They're I going. Think so. uh, I, think, I think I think I saw the Ducks are going to be doing theirs around the Fourth of July. Yeah, almost every team is because they want to bring their player in, their player drafted uh-huh. players in, introduce them to the fans, and then uh, and have this is pretty typical. Uh, I don't know if it usually goes over the fourth because it's pretty late time draft now. Yeah, but usually I think the draft uh, is was in the past a week week earlier, but I think. They've still tried. I don't know if the schedule, if that's how it's going to be going forward. I think we're all caught up schedule wise from, from COVID and stuff, but I think, uh, but I think the, the schedule, the NHL. So, usually, so, usually so typically what happens before. is they have the draft on Wednesday, Thursday, and then Friday, they, they take their top picks well, actually the, and in introduce the, them. In the past, the draft has been on a Friday, Saturday. Oh, yeah, yeah, true. And then they bring the draft pick and they usually go Sunday or Monday with the, uh, with the introductions and let them meet the media and all that good stuff. So, uh, and then they do the development camp um, for a few days and a customize, I don't know what the right word is, <laughs> get them accustomed to uh, the NHL and their new facilities and, and the new organization that they are now a part of. And, uh, and, and they do that to try to let them 
get a feel for NHL hockey. Then they go home again, go back into their training regimen. Then they'll come back again for a, a rookie camp and the rookie face up. And then those that are fortunate enough will hang around for the main camp in the NHL and we'll look at their opportunities. But let's be honest, right, right up the front from these guys are 18 years old. A lot of them. And you know, um, I was watching it and I was, <laughs> I just made my youngest and I, I was uh, over at my uh, my mom's and we were watching, we had it on and stuff. And she was like, "Man, these guys look like babies." <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Well, th- they're very young, as you know. It's an eighteen uh, draft year class. You can be, uh, I believe, it's three years that they allow you to go. Uh, if you go undrafted in the first couple of years, you can still get one more shot uh, of being draft eligible. But uh, let's be honest: the the top five players, maybe. We'll get a shot to uh, to make the NHL roster. The rest of them, uh, it's just kind of a, yeah, here's your organization. Now go develop, and we'll see you in a year or two when you're 20, 21, something like that. And maybe some of them will hang around until they're 23, 24, 25. We never know. And they may not even... And they may not even touch a uniform in their organization they were drafted in again. They, Many don't. Camps. Many do they not. Might, That's a might, good point. They might end up I mean, look at Vegas. <laughs> a lot of their top draft picks from over the years are all now elsewhere as they've used them for to make bigger moves, which obviously is part of the, the plan now, and it's worked out obviously for Vegas after now for six years. So so the, uh, the, the caveat, the little, um, I don't know what we call it. We put a last trick by it, but – if you're a fan and you're new to this whole hockey thing, like I know a lot of people out here in Coachella Valley are, is uh, these these players aren't going to jump in and be firebirds this season. Um, they may be firebirds down the road, but a lot of them are just too young. They're well, going to have of, to go back to their college team or their uh, junior yeah, team or wherever. Yeah. Yeah, no, you said exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, they're either going to go back to back in the – they're different countries where they are from and play over there in their junior leagues or whatever they, they have there in their different leagues. Whether they're in the U.S. here and they're going to school here, at the whether it be an NCAA program or where else, they'll be going there or or, or back to the juniors programs or, or whatever that all entails up in Canada or here in the States. So, yeah, I mean, they're not going to be NHL or AHL guys or even ECHL people all uh, right away. And let's let's say one more thing. If you are one of those players that's on the fence, if you can say that, or uh, on the line, the cut line for the NHL team, you do get nine games uh, that you can play in the NHL uh, and before the decision has to be made. And a lot of these young guys, the decision is basically this. You either stick with the NHL team or you go back to your junior team, as you mentioned. Um, but you do get those four games, and we've seen guys like Mason McTavish, and you know, I'm just thinking guys up up recent that did that. Uh, you also think of of guys that like Connor Bedard, the number one pick overall. Uh, I doubt very seriously that Connor Bedard's going anywhere except no, he, Chicago. He's going to Chicago, and they're already they were already advertising that on ESPN uh, opening night, uh, the Con- Connor Bedard's first game in Pittsburgh, and so everybody already anticipates that. They, and uh, rightly so, they're going to be. Uh, he's going to be on sh- Chicago's team right away. And and look at the subsequent moves that Chicago's made. They got they acquired Corey Perry, uh, so now he's in Chicago, and so he he's going to be there to maybe help with uh, Bedard and and the Blackhawks there. And yeah, so and if you're maybe if you're the top three, you might be, or even the top four maybe. Uh, this because this class the, the top four were, were ones that were really kind of talked about a lot. Uh, they might get an opportunity right away at the uh, NHL or even maybe the AHL level. Uh, but 
beyond that, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it just it also depends on where a team is at too in their organizational progression too. If they're if they're maybe have a a lot of younger, if they're trying to rebuild and try to build a, like a, the Ducks are certainly that way. Columbus is, and that's usually the teams that draft the first four picks of the, in that position. And then, and then, or if you're a team that's more contending and already have a lot of veterans and stuff on the team and and, and at the HL level, so it's going to take some time if if you even get an opportunity to ever to to play for that team that that drafted you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so basically what we look at is uh, the number one pick, Connor Bedard, no surprise there. I think everybody knew that was going to happen. There was a surprise out number two, and uh, I'm, I'm coming to terms with this a little bit more as uh, the time passes, but boy. You were really uh, looking forward to having Adam Fantilli right there in your well, backyard. Not only me, not only me, I just looked at the fit, and maybe, you know, I'm not in the Ducks organization, so maybe they saw it differently, but – uh, to me, Adam Fantilli is uh, a proven um, centerman. And I know Leo Carlson, who was picked by the Ducks number two, is also a uh, quote-unquote proven centerman. But, boy, what I saw Adam Fantilli do at the uh, World Juniors, at the World Championships, Hobie and then Baker also Adam Fantilli. <laughs> he, and, and he won the Hobie Baker. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a phenomenal hockey player with a big build, a smart, Hockey IQ. I mean, he to me would have been the oh. perfect fit, but apparently the Ducks saw something uh, that they just couldn't pass on in one Leo Carlson, and uh, they made him the number two pick. And I, I got a feeling. I think I told you this, or your Paul Hornstein this on draft day when that went down. I think the uh, the happiest team in the league was the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yeah, I think we might have talked about that live on the podcast yesterday when we were talk when we did our. American Collegiate Top Twenty podcast and and had uh, Mrs. Hogan on and uh, Caitlin Hogan on and I think because we were getting kind of instant analysis as that went down and and uh, we might have brought that up but yeah I mean Adam Fantelli I mean I, everyone that thought he was going to be going number two I think I think even the people on the broadcast on the uh, the draft broadcast were were surprised that the Ducks ended up going with Carlson over. Uh, Fantelli, but uh, how about Fantelli, man? With his, uh, I mean, you talk about a lot of people really are warming up to this guy because obviously he's a great hockey player and, and great career in, in, in NCAA and won the Hobie Baker, which is the top uh, player in college hockey and everything. And but how about his suit? I mean, and here, here we are, and we're gonna talk fashion for a minute. But I mean, his suit and just the just the decision to to have all the people that that had made it a, a point in his life to uh, an impact on his life to help him get to where he was to have that stitch either inside his jacket, I guess with pictures or whatever, or having names all lined up on the vest because we know when the players get drafted, you know, as nice as their suit jackets and all the line look, they take that off and they just go up there in their, their shirts and their ties and stuff. But he had a vest on. And so when he would go up on the stage, when he was going up the stairs, everyone would see the back of his vest with the lining of all the names in, in cursive and stuff with everybody that's contributed to him getting to that thing. That's just really cool. And I think people really responded to that in a very positive manner on social media and think that he's going to be a captain in the future at some point of a team. Yeah. Let me, let me tell you this one word comes to mind class. <laughs> when I think of that, that was a very classy move, a uh, very savvy move for a young man. Um, also that the second thing that came to my mind about Adam Fantilli going to the Columbus blue jackets was, you know, uh, how close I am to the McCown family from Colorado college and, and Hunter. And the first thing I thought was, man, 
Hunter's got himself a center now for a lot of years because Hunter McCown is a sniper. He's got a uh, incredible NHL hockey shot. And uh, a guy like Adam Fantilli will do two things. He'll open up the ice for him a little bit to give him some time to release that shot. And I have a feeling that he can work the corners pretty well and can get Hunter some opportunities. So I'm not saying that they're playing together, but you know what? If you're uh, you're the head coach in Columbus, I think you need to start figuring that maybe one Hunter McCowan should get get a few looks with uh, Adam Fantilli. Of course, that that roster in Columbus getting better by the day with uh, Johnny Goudreau there now and and others. But uh, I, yeah, I was just a little bit stunned by it. Like I said, I'm starting to come to terms with it. The more I uh, I look into Leo Carlson and his background and what he's able to bring to the Ducks, so. So that's exciting. People are um, saying this about Carlson that that he even looked a little stunned by it. Oh, well, I think he was. I think he was. That he was anticipating that he would be the third guy. That Fantelli would get the number two with the Ducks, and Carlson would would maybe go three or or four, maybe depending on if they wanted uh, Smith or not. But uh, so I think it's. So I think even Carlson, like I said, was surprised. But I, you know, again, the Ducks, that was the way they they wanted to go, and they they felt that he would be better for for their organization and uh more than fantelli which is you know again uh, a guy and only spent one year at michigan but again had heck of a year there and uh and yeah so but uh, it's it's columbus i think yeah you're right that's like wow this this is great this is great yeah, we us. got a gift <laughs> we got a gift and anyway we'll, we'll see how it pans out and then the other thing I want to mention too, I mentioned this last night when we were doing the other podcast was uh, number four was uh, the San Jose Sharks and they drafted uh, William Smith. And then I could hear in the background, I, just, I turned the volume on for just a minute, I could hear the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air theme song pl- blaring in the uh, background of Bridgestone Arena there in Nashville when the, when uh, they drafted William Smith. So I just thought that was pretty funny as as he goes there. But he won't be, there's, a, there's an example, there's not a guy that, there's a guy that's not going to be on the, the NHL club right away because he's he's already and he told me this when I interviewed him at uh, Stanley Cup final that he'll be going to Boston uh, University uh, to start uh, start there. So yeah, for sure. Um, and then you look at uh, you know, and we'll go into depth on some of these guys, but Anaheim really had a, a pretty nice draft. So did Seattle actually because uh, they had a lot of top picks like. Yeah, when you look at the Ducks, for example, they picked 33rd, 59th, and 60th in round two. So they had four of the top 60 players uh, picked. And, and interesting enough, their uh, their goaltender they selected um, was the number 60 pick in the uh, second round, uh, Damian Clara. So that's, uh, that's interesting. Now I, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to beat up on the Arizona Coyotes one more time. <laughs> well, before you do that, let me correct. I want to get this corrected because this is going to anger some people, I'm sure. Boston College is where William Smith is going to play. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah thanks. You, yeah, that's a big one. Boston College is where he's going. Boston and Alex Boston. Tuck might send you a, a very nasty email. So I want to get that uh, corrected because I, I, I got that mixed up. But I'm looking up real quick. It happens. I don't think that was right. It to, happens. It's like when I mixed up uh, uh, Oklahoma and. And UCO that one. Oh, don't do that either. <laughs> <laughs> now they play in the same city, so it's a little bit, a little bit same building. <laughs> building so. Exactly. Uh, anyway, yeah, you're forgiven. Um, 
Okay, so what you look at and like so, this podcast anyway, right? <laughs> yeah, right. And we go into the uh, the details of this as a, as the summer rolls around because we got to save something for that. But and we also got to touch on the schedules here in just a few minutes. But um, I like what Seattle did. They had a lot of picks, not a high pick right away, like number twenty, I think. But they had uh, a lot of quality picks in the uh, first round, one, two, and three, maybe. Um, so you see what they've done. I thought Vegas had a pretty good draft considering where they were at. When you're Stanley Cup champs, you get to pick last. Yeah, that's a good thing. That's a good thing if you're the you're the champs. And, and they actually only, only drafting four players. I think they traded their, the, the very last pick away. So uh, they ended up with four, four prospects. And I guess they felt like they got a, a steal of a couple of guys that they were eyeballing and were, were surprised that they were still available when they got to got to Vegas. So uh, that was good. But but yeah, you were mentioning about the Coyotes and uh, and – they were drafted mostly Russians, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, let let's stop, stop, stop. <laughs> you you're just pushing me now, aren't you? <laughs> anyway, die Mountain Dew ready. <laughs> yeah, I've got it. I've got it ready. Um, anyway, so here's my evaluation of the Coyotes, and I don't get that. Well, I get it now. Um, I was told. Yeah, you're the number one media member in uh, in the Arizona yeah, Coyotes. I, I was refreshed by uh, by some sources of mine what the story is, but um, the, the Coyotes are $10 million or were $10 million below the cap floor. So you need $10 million to to get up to the cap floor. Well, we saw what they were doing on the ceiling. trading deadline when they were try- taking out people's contracts and, and half of this, this, and that. And okay, so, so here you go. You draft two Russians in your first two picks, so f- two of the first 12 players and i'm not saying that these young men aren't going to be great hockey players at one time but we talked about it we talked about the culture and the things that are going on between russia and the rest of the world right now and um when are these guys if these guys are ever going to be able to come over here and play you spent quality assets on these guys and one thing we're pretty certain on they're not coming over here in the next three years so you're going to have to wait to see what your top two picks in the top 12 of the NHL draft are going to do for your organization. Now, let me say this again. The other thing that happened with the Arizona Coyotes, they have the last two goaltenders of Stanley Cup champions on their roster. At the same time, they had the two Stanley Cup championship goaltenders. They had Aiden Hill at one time. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Look at him. He's he's a Stanley and Darcy Kemper, Kemper. getting ready to resign with the Golden Knights. And yeah, and Darcy Kemper. Another guy okay, so so <laughs> let me ask you this: You know how important so goaltending is. The pathway is. to a Stanley Cup championship through Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the deal: You know what the what the key to a, a championship run is, and winning a cup or or championship at any level. It starts in goal, right? And Vegas went through five goaltenders to get to where they were at and win the cup. So if you're a team that is $10 million below the cap floor, why would you not go out and make a pitch? And maybe they did. And that's the point that I'm getting at. And this is kind of coming around now is like, you have to run a first-class organization if you want to have first-class players come and play there. Now, we understand what happened, so we understand why you're at Mullet, and, and there's really not much you can do about that at this point. But – Here's what you could have done, and this is what I don't understand. And you'll you'll back me up on this, I know, 100%, because when the uh, the four young men that came um, that were draft picks this, 
past couple of days. When they came to Vegas, where did they take them, Stephen? They they took them out to Summerlin, out to City National. Yeah, to, they, to, to show them the practice facility, right? Yes. To show them that this is the NHL, this is what it's like. Now, you're a Vegas guy. How far is Summerlin and the Vegas facility from T-Mobile? Mm, roughly? Probably about 20 minutes, maybe. Okay, minutes, miles. How many miles? 12? 10? Sure. Okay, let's go with that. So what did Mr. Foley do when he got a franchise? He built a practice facility with two ice sheets, a place for his complete organization to be in one spot. You saw this. The, after the Stanley Cup was won and the players had their time with it for a couple of days, they brought it up and shared it with the, uh, the staff. All the people have put in the work behind the scenes. And they could do that because all they do is go up the elevator upstairs. It was right there. So let me ask you this. If you really are concerned about hockey and wanting to grow the game and wanting to make Arizona a hotbed for NHL hockey, and you want to you recruit free agents like an Austin Matthews down the road or whoever it might be, why, if you know that you're going to build an arena, if you really believe that you're going to build an arena in the East Valley of the Phoenix metropolitan area, why do you not go out and build yourself a really nice um, training facility like Bill Foley did. Why don't you build that first? You know you're going to have to play at Mullet for a few years anyway. Why did you not sink the money in somewhere on the east side? It could be anywhere in Scottsdale, between Scottsdale and Tempe, I would say, anticipating that eventually you were going to have a building somewhere in that facility, but close to where the players would be attracted. And I'm going to use the Phoenix Suns for an example. They built a practice facility, state-of-the-art, on Camelback Road and 44th Street in Phoenix, if anybody's familiar with that. And they attracted guys like Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal, and they made Devin Booker happy and Chris Paul when he was there. Um, so it matters, right? And that's something that you didn't need um, the, the city or a huge amount of space to do. But why did you not do that? And, and show the people that we're serious about this. And now you can take free agents in and show them the building and the facilities. And, and they, you can say, hey, you know, you're 10 minutes from Scottsdale. You're 10 minutes from Tempe. Um, you have the, the downtown Scottsdale nightlife. You have golf courses. You have everything that Phoenix Valley is about. Um, and a beautiful practice facility. No, they didn't do that. They didn't put their sales staff in a building with the players. They didn't do any of that. And now what's happening is, and this is what I'm hearing from sources, and they're saying that, you know what, uh, NHL veterans, heck, even Logan Cooley, their third the overall pick last year, doesn't want to go because he doesn't like the environment. Yeah, I was just going to say, wasn't there something with the, some of the draft players, maybe some of the, the Russian guys, they, 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 if they were going to go to Arizona, they were, they were going to refuse to show up there or something? Well, that's a whole nother story, but yeah, you're right. Um, but right now, it's like if you're under the cap floor and you need goaltending and you just saw what Aiden Hill did and he's a free agent, why are you not outbidding the Vegas Golden Knights? And I'm not saying that Aiden would have gone. I'm just saying, like, why are you not throwing out all kinds of ridiculous money to bring him back? Why are you not doing that? Why did you go draft two goaltenders that you probably aren't going to be in the league for five years? 
I don't know, but uh, we could do a whole show on the, the Coyotes. <laughs> anyway. There was, was a story that just came out, too, I guess, from Nashville when uh, the Coyotes were there for the draft talking about uh, the president, uh, Gutierrez, talking about uh, some potential si- potential places they could play in state okay. of Arizona. So. Okay. <laughs> Let me stop you on that, too. Blood pressure went up again. If they had that many options, why did they not do them or, or look at them other than sticking all of their stake into this ridiculous spot in Tempe. Why did they not have a backup plan? It says one of them is the East Valley and the 101 Highway Corridor that covers Scottsdale, Phoenix, and Mesa. And he said each of these locations would be available to be purchased, which would negate the need for a public referendum. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. Anyway, I'll leave it. Yeah, I'll leave it at that. We got to touch on the schedules real quickly. So I know you've got uh, some in-depth look into it. Give us just a couple of highlights, Stephen, of what you saw on the schedules when they came out. Uh, I know you you saw the Vegas one real close, but you also saw where Connor Bedard's playing and and some of the others. So if you want to fire away at that, go ahead. Sure, I'll I'll start with with Vegas. That's the one I can get to easily, of course, and uh, right away. Uh, of course, the Golden Knights will open up the regular season on at home against Seattle on the 10th. That'll be the uh, night they raise the championship banner and uh, play the Kraken. Um, of course, then they're going to play. Uh, they're going to play at San Jose on the 12th and Anaheim on the 14th. And and how about Anaheim unveiling their logo for the 30th anniversary? That was pretty cool. But um, but yeah, I mean, and then can I can I throw a quick couple things out about uh, Anaheim as well? They're going to play an exhibition game in San Diego on the 29th of uh, September against the Kings at Pachanga, which I think is really cool. cool. They're also going to play a game uh, against the Coyotes in Tucson, and they're going to play a second game against the Coyotes at Akersher, right here in Palm Springs. There you go, using the AHL facilities. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Um, So those are cool things. Um, you also mentioned a couple, and I think we should we should talk about these quickly. Is uh, with the Vegas Golden Knights because they are the the uh, defending Stanley Cup champions now. That usually means a trip to the White House. So what does that mean? Yeah, so I'll get to that. Uh, yeah, so we'll go with that. Uh, they're going to be in Washington on the 14th of November. Uh, that's part of a five-game road trip uh, in November. There's actually not a lot of home games for the Golden Knights in November. Is that? Uh, well, Formula One will be taking place in November here in Vegas. That's going to be a real big event. But also, T-Mobile has an uh, has something else going on then that weekend. But but I mean, that's going to be an interesting stretch of games because they're going to play uh, the, from November 10th. They'll play at home, and then they'll be on the road starting in the 14th: Washington, Montreal, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, which will be intriguing now because of the Riley Smith thing, and then Dallas, and then uh, and then one game at home against Arizona, and then they go back out on the road for three more. So that's going to be a real interesting stretch of games for the Golden Knights. But, yes, the first of that will be against Washington uh, at, on November 14th, and uh, usually the, the championships teams of the different sports uh, will get an invite uh, to the White House, and that usually will coincide with the if the team makes the trip to, to Washington, D.C., or if they're in that general area. And, of course, with most of these sports where you play everybody and they – most of these, you know, DC has a team in every sport there. Uh, they'll they'll at some point play them in, in DC, so they'll make arrangements to do that uh, around that time. So it's not an extra trip they have to make out there or a stop. Uh, but uh, but yeah, we'll see what happens with that uh, if if that happens. I would imagine it would happen. I wouldn't see any reason why it wouldn't happen. Now, a team could refuse to go. I mean that that has happened before for political reasons or whatever, the differing ideals or. Uh, 
um, you know, and it depends all through the president is too. I, you know, the, the former president, I don't know if there was many visits uh, <laughs> in the former administration because of, of who the president was. Uh, we won't go down that road, but, but yeah. So, but now with, with it being Biden, the teams might be more willing to do that. But, um, and I think it's great even, and, and I've, I've always said this, whether you, you believe in the, in the uh, president or not, and yeah, it's hard to say after the last one we had, but but even if you have the, um, even if you, it is still a nice honor to be able to go there and be recognized. And it's about the office. It's about the, it's about the office of the president of the United yeah. States. It's not about the person that occupies it, right? Because we know that changes every four or eight years. Yeah. So I mean that. So we'll see if that happens. Uh, it was pointed out to me by somebody else uh, that the uh, the other championship team here, the Aces. Uh, the Las Vegas Aces WNBA team has not yet uh, received an invite, as, as far as we know, to the uh, White House. But uh, I so I looked up their schedule. One of the rare times I actually look up the the WNBA schedule, but I looked up when the uh, the Aces go to to DC, and that happens in August. So we'll see if they go to the White House around that time or not. And I would think that they should get an, an invite, and hopefully they'll get one because I'd hate to see that Golden Knights would get one and and they didn't uh, because the Aces certainly are deserving too to, to have that recognition at the White House. So so we'll see, but uh, we'll see if that happens. But uh, hopefully it does, and and hopefully the Golden Knights will get one too, and and uh, maybe we'll have to make that a uh, one of my uh, March on the Road events for uh, this upcoming season. Because <laughs> uh, uh, want to get that going. I love it. He's Seattle already planning. Will be folks. another one, of course, on January first because the Winter Classic. Will be taking place. Bring your uh, raincoat. Yes. Uh, look forward if we get the opportunity to be up there. T- and how about this? I mean, if you're going to play your first Winter Classic game, and you're playing against Seattle, the other new team, and you're playing at a at a ballpark that's named T-Mobile Park. I mean, it's just it's perfect. It's such like a, a fitting it's, scenario. It's a fitting name, T-Mobile Arena. Here, <laughs> they're going to go up there and play at the home of the Seattle Mariners, T-Mobile Park. So it's it's already uh, got the T-Mobile name in there. So it's. Uh, won't be that hard to to remember the name of the, the park, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. And then and the other thing we we talked about is uh, Bedard' first home game of his career will be with the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, will be on the twenty first of Chicago, twenty uh, first of October, and that happens to be against the Golden Knights. So that might be worth a worth a, a an in person visit for that. But we'll see how it all plays out. And of course, the uh, the other Vegas pro team, one of the other pro teams, the Raiders happened to be in Chicago that same weekend too. So there was an article put up about that and you'll be make it the ultimate road sports weekend. Uh, go see the golden Knights in Chicago. Uh, <laughs> and then the next day stay and watch the Raiders take on the bears in, uh, in, in the soldier field there in uh, oh, you, a very cold. Uh, yes. Cold, yes. October night, uh, October uh, <laughs> weekend, <in> Chicago. <laughs> yeah. You will be all done with Chicago football at that point. I guarantee you, even in October, unless there's something that unusual that happens, but anyway, and maybe the, and maybe the baseball teams will actually still be playing around that same time and you can make it a, a trifecta and, uh, and catch a Cubs or White Sox in the playoffs or something. Uh, wouldn't that be something anyway? Um, we'll, uh, we'll get into more on the schedules for all of the teams that we cover, um, down the, down the stretch here, but we wanted to mention that in the preseason, uh, as I'm looking at Anaheim's schedule, two things that jumped out at me, the preseason starts, uh, September 24th. And one of the things that was really intriguing to me is a lot of the Anaheim home games, and I'm hoping to be at a bunch of them, are midweek, right? There's no weekend stuff, which is great because I've got NCAA responsibilities on the weekends. So the more that they can play at home during the week, I'm all for that. 
Yeah, that'll be that'll make you really busy. Yeah, because you'll have the home games during the week, and then you'll be somewhere. Obviously not in California, but you'll be somewhere at an NCAA game somewhere, whether it be in Arizona or Colorado or wherever. So it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be busy. So it's uh, it's gonna be busy. That's why I need to go in hibernation, Scott, for a couple of months. Cause <laughs> when we because we also can't forget about our ACHA stuff. And yeah, do absolutely. So, uh, <laughs> either we got to get more people, or which is it gonna happen? Because we could. Barely... And one more thing that we got to throw out there is we touched on it uh, on last night's show. Um, the uh, Tennessee State becoming the first uh, all-black university to uh, offer varsity hockey. They're starting at the ACHA yeah, level, but they're historically college. Uh, yeah, black university. Yeah. Yep, yep. They are. Um, they're starting at the ACHA level, I believe, next season, and they have aspirations and plans to go all the way to the NCAA Division One level. So that, to me, is a huge historic mark. Uh, we can get into this uh, scrubbing of the practice jersey or the uh, warm-up jersey thing uh, over the summer too, because I, I have some thoughts on that, as you know. Um, but anyway, like just want to get all of, those out there. Seems like we're going to have plenty of topics to talk about here. The, <laughs> oh, so many over the, the summer. summer. It's crazy. So maybe my hibernation won't be quite as long. Maybe no, it will not be. I, promise me, my <laughs> we friend. We didn't even get to the moves that the Golden Knights made leading up to the draft <laughs> and, the, and the other things that happened. I mean, just, and I you know what starts on Saturday, my friend? Yeah. Free agency. Free agency. So Free agency we, frenzy. Then we'll find out who's going where to do okay. what. All we know is that Barbara Shevel's locked up here in Vegas for five years. Unfortunately, it cost them Riley Smith as they had to make that move to to uh, make the room for for have Barbara Shev locked up for five years. It's five million. Riley Smith, I think, still had a couple of years left on five million dollar contract. That's sad because it's an original misfit that goes away. But it's again the business of hockey. At least he's able to go out a champion. Was able to accomplish that in the six years here with the with the other misfits in the group. And, and he's not only leaving. You know that's sad in itself. But you know, if you got to leave. Why not go to Pittsburgh? They're not a bad organization either. Yeah, not a bad organization. You get to play with Crosby and Malkin and and uh, and, and and guys like that. And and uh, yeah, so it'll be nice. And uh, and what's going to be nice is that Riley Smith, I guess, in a way, will get a nice grand farewell when he hosts his uh, Battle for Vegas uh, softball game here in uh, July. Uh, so I'll have to come out of hibernation for one night for that uh, in July. Uh, <laughs> hibernation is <laughs> uh, not happening. Nights, Riley Smith will take on. Uh, it's not Crosby. happening and the uh, Raiders. So it's not uh, happening. So this will have a little bit more intrigue around that event than maybe it was going to have because of the fact that it's going to be uh, if, Riley Smith's last, I guess, event is, as a if we night. have it won't to be technically a golden night at that point, it'll be a Pittsburgh at that point. But if we have to keep you out of uh, hibernation, <laughs> we will simply put a salesman's jacket on you. <laughs> All right. Take it yeah, away, my that? friend. We're already long. Uh. From the Tag Creative Group Studios, this has been the Pro Hockey West Report presented by Toyota. The Tag Creative Group, your one-stop shop for unique designs or that one-of-a-kind gift idea for yourself or someone special. Search for T-Grand Rudd on redbubble.com. Jesse Ray's Barbecue, Las Vegas' best barbecue at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard location, which sadly is uh, temporarily closed with their fire, so we wish them well on that. But you can go to their Henderson location at 308 North Boulder Highway in Henderson, and please go there and support them. Behind the Mass, find any of our three Valley locations and more at BehindTheMass.com, whether you play on ice or in line. Caesar Sportsbook app, play responsibly at the only app that earns you Caesar's rewards points. 
The Spaghetti Shack, classic Italian comfort food quickly in Tempe, Pine Top, and Queen Creek. Order online at thespaghettishack.com. Top Golf, go to topgolf.com to set up your next business meeting or group outing at our sports bar and restaurant. Jets Pizza, since 1978, better pizza because it has to be. Find one of the over 400 locations near you at jetspizza.com. Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos, book your stay now in any of our locations around the world. Caesars.com. The Pro Hockey West Report is live every week on the Podbean app. Subscribe, rate, and review the show. Help others find it at ITHSW Podcast. All one word. That's ITHSW Podcast. All one word on your favorite podcast platform. The Pro Hockey West Report, presented by Toyota, is a part of the IcetimeHockeyWest.com network. Very well done, my friend. We will say a big uh, thank you to everybody that's followed us to this point. Our new fiscal year starts on Sunday. We'll have a special roundtable, um, little uh, podcast going on. So we'll talk to you again on Sunday night. We'll say goodnight with little Roger Klein, the Peacemakers. Hello, New Day. Good night, everybody.